time, Battle Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. Glad you could join us today, 30th of July, 2020. Exciting time to be alive. And I also want to start out by asking you not to be weary in doing well, not to be discouraged. There's a heavy demon of depression and discouragement out there. And I see many Christians are despairing. And you know when God gives me visions and show me what's going on, he tells me where people are at, what's going on in their lives. And many people are crying out for solutions. Never forget, God is a God of solutions. God is not a God just tell me what's going to happen and show me. He gives solutions. He tells you what to do. The Bible teaches us that the sons of Issachar, they knew the times and the seasons. They had great discernment. But not only did they have the discernment of the times and the seasons, but they also knew what to do. So knowing that certain things are going to happen, and you hear a lot of people prophesy these things are going to come by and these things are going to happen. But aside from the prophecies, they need to give solutions. What is God saying? What is the solution? How do you go through it? And this is the key question today as a Christian. And this is what the world needs. How do you go through what is coming upon the world today? How do you go through this tribulation? What is your blueprint? What is your strategy? You must have a strategy. You must have a blueprint. My God, you don't build a house without a blueprint. You try to build a house without a blueprint, you end up with a shack. You end up with something that's uh, lean and something that's not built right. That's something that might tumble down. You don't have enough steel in there. Can't withstand a hurricane. The wiring is wrong. Electrical things are wrong because you didn't use a blueprint. So we need a blueprint. We need a strategy on how we're going to go through what we're going through today because we are in the tribulation era. I want to start out and talk about weariness. Weariness is where most people are just wearing, becoming weary, tired. The enemy is just wearing on them. Isaiah, the 60th chapter, says, Arise, get up from the level of prostration. Get up from where you are. Stop being weary. And shine your light, you're a child of God. There's something in you. There's a reservoir in you that you have not yet tapped into. And the Lord is saying, tap into that reservoir. That's deep within you. Who is that? That's Jesus. When you name the name of Jesus and you become a Christian, you're not supposed to be down and discouraged. You're not supposed to get weary. Why? Because the antidote is in you. Satan comes with the venom. He comes with the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of weariness. But we have the anti-venom. We have the word of the living God. And the word says, arise and shine. Get up out of the prostration. Get up out of that weariness, that position, that tiredness that you have, that spirit of heaviness that's on you. And shine. Why? The light of God is in you. Your light, your salt, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But my God, if you don't know it's on you, if you don't know how to plug into it, how are you going to rise? How are you going to shine? And this is the solution that we give you through Bible Code 7. That's why we tell you, we teach you how to tap into Jesus, how to tap into his power, fasting and praying and the releasing of the word of the living God, because God must honor his word. And that's why we come with word to you at all times. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. The who? The darkness. Darkness. 
Yes, there is a prince of darkness. Who's that? That's Satan. He is in charge of all darkness. We are light. We're not darkness. God told us in the first chapter, it says, your light has come. Glory of the Lord is risen on you. Darkness, Satan, is going to cover the earth. Gross darkness shall cover the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you. His glory shall be seen on you. So how are you going to get weary? How are you going to succumb to the darkness? How are you going to give in to what, uh, uh, what's going on out there? How are you going to go with the flow? We're going upstream in a downstream world. We're light shining in darkness. We're not part of the darkness. So we're not to be weary and heavy like the rest of the people. No, we are supposed to shine our light. And when you see the people out there fussing and fighting among themselves, we are to pray for them. And we are to look at them and say, hey, I'm not like them. Don't ever be misled. We're all in this together. I, I beg to differ. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Because my God has encased me in him. I am hidden in him. The Bible says, in him I live and move and have my being. I'm not one of you. So don't, don't, don't label me as one of you. I'm, I'm not one of the world. No. Don't put that label on me. I'm a child of God. I have Jesus on board. He lives in me. I'm hidden in him. I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. And you want to call me, you're in darkness. And you want to label me as, uh, as one of you, you're in gross darkness. That's what the Bible says. And I don't care about your three-piece suit and your nice thousand-dollar dress and all the bling you wear. Darkness is covering the earth. Gross darkness is covering the people. I am not one of them. And neither are you. You might not be wearing a thousand-dollar suit. You might have no bling, wear no bling. My God, you might be wearing some clothes that just come from one of those little stores down the bottom there. Off of the sale rack, $10 and $20. But you're not one of them. Don't equate yourself with one of them. Because you're not. And this is the trap that the enemy is setting. Nowadays, when you go out, and I was talking to you the other day uh, on the daily briefing, and I was saying, now you go out, I have not for months see, seen anybody in the store on the street that I recognize. Why? I see people, but I can't recognize anybody because everybody has a mask on. We're all homogenized. We're just people. But special people to me is ones I recognize. And I say, hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, sister, how you doing? But I can't recognize anybody anymore. So now we have to reach out by phone and encourage the brother and the sister. Keep the family connection alive by phone, children of God. And this is what the, 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 the world is trying to do. They're trying to homogenize us. We're all just one. You're just people. You're just another number. You're just another body. You don't have a face. Your identity is lost. But we're not that way. People get weary. We need one another. And it's good when a brother sees another brother. How you smile and say, hey, how you doing? How your children? How your grand? How? And then you begin to talk and you tell you. That's what the, we need. Iron sharpens iron. So does the countenance of a, of a man, his friend. We love to see each other's faces. 
We love to smile and talk. We love hug and kiss and shake the hand and slap the back. And this is what it's all about. And this is what is being denied us. And this is why the Bible says the love of many is going to grow cold. And this is why many people are going to become weary. Spirit of heaviness is going to jump on them. They won't know how to handle the spirit of heaviness. And this is what we want to teach you today, but I had to get into that aspect of it. Now I want to talk about something here today before we go into what we're going to go into. Talk about education versus faith. There's a lot of talk. You watch the news and I read. And I see a lot of the experts are coming. <clears throat> and, of course, you know, when some doctors stray and they say, no, this is not this, we are doctors, and I've been watching the news and I've been seeing what's going on. Some doctors say, I've been treating patients with COVID, I'm using this, and it works. And then the higher-up experts, they say, oh, that's not, that's not, we don't know who you are. They call them uh, 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 people in lab coats, as if they're not doctors. And there we see a lot of education being thrown around. And I'm looking at the, the hostility going on out there. And I'm looking at them, and I see people fighting one another. I say, my God, where is faith in this mixture? Because I'm not going to get I'm not going to get caught up in that rubbish. I'm a man of faith, and I teach faith. I teach Bible, and the Bible is not something you can lay your hands on. Nobody's ever seen God. When we speak the Word of God, we don't know how His Word works, because it's by Spirit. The Bible says His words are Spirit, and they're life. They're pneuma. So when we declare the word, it takes on a life all by itself. And I cannot explain it to you. I can only explain certain aspects of it, but I cannot give you the fine scientific details because I cannot put Jesus under a microscope. And I cannot put Jesus on a, on a, on a laboratory bench and dissect him and see how he works. So guess what? Everything I do, everything I say, everything I teach about the Bible is by what? Faith. And you hear this word being thrown around out there in the media. It's not science. And we got to be scientific. And we got to do this. And, the word, and even Christians are saying it. And I even hear pastors saying it too. That's bad science. And this is science. Science has now become a new God. Hello. We used to say technology has become a new God. But science, that word science has now become a new God. And some people say, oh, my science is better than your science. Because you, you're talking from bad science. Well, my science is faith in the Word of God. So if you're going to come to me with your world science and what you know in the world, I'm going to come to you with faith. I'm going to come to you with Word. And that's where we're going to start tonight. Amen. Because the Word of God, the Bible says it is what? Settled in heaven. We're going to start at page 118 of the hundredfold. If you have that book, you can take a reference to page 118 of the hundredfold. At the bottom of the page, Psalm 119, verse 89, it says, Lamed, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. What is it about God's word that God speaks? When he speaks, no man dares refute him. What is it about God's word that when God speaks, Satan always comes and speaks behind God and say, did God really say, did God really mean? He used that ruse when he deceived Eve. 
Had God really said, did God really say that? No, 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 you shall not surely die. And he changed the word of God. And when he changed the word of God, he believed Satan and disobeyed God. She disbelieved God. She ate the forbidden fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. And death came upon her. And then she took it to Adam and said, Adam, honey, take a bite. This is so delicious. And he did. Death came upon them, and they found themselves naked. Their eyes were open. And then you know the rest of the story. They were kicked out of the garden. Why? Why? They didn't exercise faith in, the God, in God's word. They let the devil uh, uh, debate the word of God to them. The Bible says that God's word is settled in heaven. Satan was in heaven. And Satan knows the word of God is settled. So Satan has come down to be among men, and what is he trying to do to men? He's trying to deceive men into believing God's word can be debated. <clears throat> God's word is not settled. But guess what? When we use the word of God, and we declare the word of God to Satan, like Jesus did in Matthew 4, he cannot do anything. He has to come outside the word of God, and he can't cross over the word of God. He cannot go above or beyond the Word of God. And when we talk to some people about faith and the Word of God, it looks abstract because, you see, it's something you cannot see, feel, or touch. And please understand that I know exactly what I'm talking about because I used to be an atheist and I used to say the same thing also. How can you believe in a God you can't see, feel, or touch? I used to believe in what science told me, what people told me, what I could see. I uh, touched what you could put under a microscope and examine. That I could believe was a God. And I believe if I can't see it, I wouldn't believe it. And this is where Satan has many, many people. But we are going to go down to the Word of God because I've never seen God. I see God by His Word. So on the next page, we see that God's Word is settled in heaven forever. How long? All eternity. God's word is final and absolute, tested, tried, and proven. No angel or demon can question the authority of his everlasting word. God's word is power all by itself and needs no backup. Sound is power. If we want to go into science, let's go into a little science here. Sound is power. Sound is energy, a great force. Sound technology is being researched very diligently today, and many great things have come from it. The ultrasound imaging technology that is used to check on the growth and development of babies in the womb and show the sex of the baby. Ultrasound. Whether male or female is from sound research. Ultrasound is also used to destroy kidney stones and to make many types of diagnosis. Many different types of medical equipment. I went to the doctor several years ago, and they did an ultrasound. And I said, what are you looking at? And he said, we're doing an ultrasound in your bladder to see you know, what your bladder is, if it's full or not. And they were doing something else. They were looking for something when I had shingles. So I know what they were doing with ultrasound technology. All right. Ultrasound is also used to destroy kidney stones and to make many other types of diagnosis. Okay. High-pitched sound can be used as a weapon. High-pitched sound. It's so high-pitched that you don't hear it anymore. The press reported recently that many U.S. diplomatic workers in Cuba were suffering from disabilities and various sorts 
of various sorts because of a high-pitched sound that they were constantly exposed to. Here is proof positive of weaponized sound. They never even realized that they were hearing the sound, but they got sick. Get this in your mind solidly. Sound is a weapon. Words are sounds. Sound is a weapon, and words are sounds. Words are a sound weapon. God's word must be weaponized against the enemy and all his devices. God's word has applications to every known condition of mankind. Whatever you're going through, God has a word for, for it. From cradle to grave, every last sickness, every last disease, God has a word for it. God is our, our human designer, manufacturer, and maintainer. The Bible is our manual, not what man says or thinks. Sound never dies, but goes out into the ether for infinity. So when we speak, the sound never dies. It goes away from us that we cannot hear it anymore, but the sounds, the words we speak never dies. It keeps going out, 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 but you don't hear it anymore. Second Chronicles 20 tells the story of King Jehoshaphat. He was threatened by an army of 185,000 mightily armed men. He went before God with all his people and worshipped and implored God for his directions and help. God's response, the battle is not yours, but mine. God's response today when you're fighting your battles is the same. It's not your battle. It's his. Look carefully at what God's directive was. And I'm paraphrasing right now. Place the singers before the little army that you have. Have them sing as they march into battle. Praise you the Lord, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Sing these words over and over and over and over as you march forward to confront the enemy. These words of mine are your weapons of war. Go ahead. Use them to fight. Weaponize my words and watch me work. Sure enough, God caused confusion among the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. He used friendly fire or caused each member of this coalition to kill and destroy each other, leaving his precious children untouched with not one hair of their heads harm. This is a perfect demonstration of the power of sound, word sounds, God's supernatural word power or word energy, the nuclear option to destroy the enemies of God and their weapons. Let me stop right here. 185,000 men, armed men, killed one another in one night. God's little people didn't have to lift up a little finger to fight these vicious enemies. Why? Sound. Weaponized sound. The word of God weaponized. Praise ye the Lord, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is endured forever. Praise ye the Lord, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endured forever. That sounds stupid. That sounds far-fetched. Yes, that's right. It does sound stupid. It does sound far-fetched. 
But that's just like God. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound wise and prudent men. You see, people think they're too smart. And I read extensively, and I read what some people say, what they write, and I say, you're so dumb. You're full of it. You're just dumb. You're just stupid. You don't even know what you're saying. You know? They don't know what they're saying. And they think they're so smart. And guess what? I kind of identify with them because, you see, I used to be like that. I was dumb. I was a fool. Yes. But I pray for them. I pray, God, that you open your eyes. You see, I used to be a fool. I said, there is no God. I used to be an atheist. And I didn't believe God, much less his word. I used to say, all oh, about this Bible, it's a book of fairy tales. It didn't compute. didn't make sense. The only thing that made sense to me when I used to read the Bible is Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, the wisdom books. <clears throat> and you know why it made sense to me? It's the things we go through in this life, the games people play, the things that happen along the, the journey of life. And my grandmother that raised me, she was, she was a country granny, full of proverbial wisdom. And all the people, they never had book learning. Many of them couldn't read or write. Many of them never went past uh, grade school. Or when they went to primary school, they graduated. But my God, they had proverbial wisdom. They were intelligent people. Not educationally down here. They didn't have a great education. They didn't have no bachelor's of science and master's and PhDs. Absolutely not. But my God, they were smart people. They were sharp they had proverbial wisdom. They could tell you some things. They could size up people. They could look at people and hear what people are saying and tell you exactly what's going on. They were discerning people. They had people like common sense people. And let me tell you something. As I'm looking around, I'm seeing and I'm, I'm hearing what people say and things that people do. People ain't got no common sense today. Common sense ain't so common. People are not discerning anymore. People are just dumb. And why you say they're just dumb? The Bible says darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness shall cover the people. They're just covered in darkness. They're just dumb. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to call anybody stupid, but sometimes I got to look. I say, man, God, this is stupid. And when I look at what's going on in Washington and I look at these people are supposed to be what you call intelligent, yes, they're intelligent and yes, they're smart, but that's the problem. We don't have no wise people. We got people that are smart. They think they're so smart. And we got some people that are intelligent and they're so intelligent. But when you size them up and you look at them, you can, I can just look right through them because I can see their ulterior motives. I can see the satanic content. I can hear Satan speaking through them. And I can see when they get up and they get up and they begin to talk. I say, yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking you're talking the talk, you have your sound bites, you have your speech uh, points, your talking points, and that's what you're talking. Because you see, you've got to understand this. That you're talking about science and you're talking about what the world is going on versus faith. I'm talking faith. I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of the Word. My spirit discerns what they're coming, what they're talking about, where they're coming from. <clears throat> 
their spirit is counterproductive and counterintelligence to my spirit. My spirit counters their spirit. You see, when you're a child of God and you begin to speak, my spirit got to bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. We're on the same level. We're in the same wavelength. And that's what the Bible says. My spirit must bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And if my spirit cannot bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, then we're, we're opposed. You're satanic. You're darkness. I'm light. So you're coming with a different agenda because you're cooperating from a different spirit. And the problem is that Washington, they are lacking wise men. Many men and with many, many, many people in Washington are not wise. What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear, the acknowledging, the reverence of Jesus Christ. How many people you know in Washington, D.C.? I don't say that everybody talks and I know everybody who is a Christian. No, I don't. But I know there's a lack of wise people in Washington, D.C. Why? I can hear their speech. I can discern what they're saying. And I can see that many of them are not speaking out of faith. Worse, they will not speak. Oh, and say the word of God, the Bible says. By the way, I watched the burial of John Lewis today, and I saw how many got up. And I, it, it's, it's, it's so amazing and amusing to see when a politician gets up and he begins to quote scripture. And when he quotes the scripture, you feel no connection to the scripture that he quotes. He just talk it because, you see, <laughs> but I have nothing against them. Okay, but the thing is, when people begin to speak, you need to feel people, and you need to feel their vibration patterns. You need to feel their wavelength. You need to feel their, their, uh, their spiritual temperature. My spirit must be a witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. So some people talk science, and some people talk faith. We, the believers, must talk faith. We, the believers, must talk word, the word of the living God. Let's not forget that after seven times around Jericho's walls, the priests blew the trumpets. The people shouted. The walls came down. The power of sounds. No battering ram was needed. It was the supernatural battering ram of God, of God's word, that brought the walls down just like an elevator. So the sound, the vibration patterns, did what the job where nothing else could do. Words are vibration patterns and never cease, an energy that cannot be destroyed. Einstein, the great, physicals, the, the great physicist, gave us the law of energy. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, but only transformed from one state to the other. High notes sung from a human voice can shatter a crystal glass. Oh, we don't know about that uh, uh, today again. And that's science, too. Many years ago in a television commercial, the famous jazz singer Ella Fitzgerald sang a high note, and she belted out that high note. And when she belted that high note and she hit that note, it shattered a crystal glass, a champagne glass. Shattered it. It broke. You don't have to hit a high note to access this power, this energy, but your tone of voice in speaking normally can do it. Remember that the Word of God is spirit and life and power 
and energy, a force all by itself. Woo! Hallelujah. So when you declare the word of God, just like I'm talking to you right now, when you're declaring the word of God and speaking, what are you doing? You're shattering demonic strongholds. You're breaking demonic chains. You're destroying demonic things in the supernatural realm. And that's how you get into the parallel universe. Scientists and people who are researchers, they're not saying they want to go into the other dimension. They call it a parallel universe. And they know it's all around us, but they want to cross the border and go over into it. They want to see into it. And how they want to see, they want to see like things because some people, their eyes are opened. And when they look, they can see demons. It's like somebody who drinks profuse, profusely. And they will look, and they, ha- they, they probably have a bout of drinking, and they're sobering up. And they look and say, oh, you see that thing over there? Uh, when people look, it's over, we can't, well, it's over there. What are they seeing? They're seeing demonic entities. People's eyes are open to see demons, hear sounds. Hear voices. That's why people go bananas. These are the things that are happening today. But by God, when you begin to speak the word of the living God, what do you do? You shut them down. You shut up the voice of the enemy. He can't talk. He can't say nothing. Why? You break his cheekbone. Now I want to tell you that uh, this is something I know. When people are hearing voices, I've told them all the time. I say, you want to hear a voice? The demons will tell you all kind of rubbish. The demons will come and make you hear things. You'll even see things. You want to shut them demons down? Begin to declare the word of God. They cannot stand it. Why? Because the word of God is fire. And it's a hammer. And it batters them and breaks them and bruises them. Just like these singers going out before the, 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 the war. It did something in the supernatural realm and caused great confusion in 185,000 warriors, and they began to kill themselves. So when we begin to praise God, confusion comes to the camp of the enemy. We don't know how it worked. I don't care. I just don't care. All I know is it works. Why am I going to ask God, God, what do you do? What's the mechanic? What's the science behind, behind your word? No, I don't care. That's his business. My business is to obey him and utilize the sword of the spirit, the word of God. My business is that when I walk in the flesh and I live in the flesh and move in this flesh, the weapons I fight with are not flesh and blood weapons, but mighty weapons through him to pull down every fortress and every stronghold. My business is to utilize what he gives me. My business is to utilize what Jesus gave me and follow his footsteps that he gave me in Matthew, the fourth chapter, when the devil came at him and said, if you think you're the son of God, then go ahead and do this. Shut up, devil. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Give him the word. Shut him up and shut him down. Three times he struck him and he picked up his little pitchfork and put his tail between his legs, and he sulked off and left Jesus alone. And the Bible says when the devil left, angels came and ministered to him. Power of the word of God. I'm not talking about science. I'm talking about faith. Faith in the word. The word is alive. The word is spirit. The word is life. 
the word is Jesus, because Jesus is the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. But we must understand that we must utilize the word. Don't debate things, right? Declare it. It's not a matter of the words you declare, but whose words you're declaring. Oh, I love that part. And I know the Holy Ghost gave that to me when I wrote this. It's not a matter of words that you declare, because when you read your Bible, it has words just like any other words in the English language. And certain things you can do, anybody could have said it. But when you speak the combination of the Word of God, Psalm 91, for example, when you speak that combination, that grouping of words, and it seems so simple and far-fetched, now, how can this help you? And This don't make no sense. And you try to read into the Word and you try to dissect the Word. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Just declare it in faith and believe the Lord by believing His words. Yes, you can dissect the Word by get, digging deeper into the meaning. And you're not dissecting it to debate it. You're dissecting the Word for what? Understanding. I want deeper understanding. So what do I do? I go and I dissect the word. What does this word mean? And what this, does this other word mean? And when you put this group of words together, exactly what do you mean, God? Show me. Tell me. And then he'll reveal it to you because you see these words are spiritually discerned. Remember again, these words are spirit and life. They have a life all by themselves. And these words are spiritually Discerned. So when you want to know the meaning of a certain scripture, you've got to go to the giver of the word. And I know sometimes, you know, uh, it is said uh, in, in the world that we want to destroy the messenger. Uh, we want to kill it. Uh, don't shoot the messenger because if you shoot the messenger, you can't destroy the message. Well, we sometimes look at people and we see how they look and when they speak certain words and say certain things. We measure the words that were spoken by the speaker that spoke it. That's not good. Listen to the message. Because sometimes they want to destroy the messenger, but you cannot destroy the message. I recall in the Bible, in the book of Acts, there's a man named Gamaliel, and they were trying to shut down and shut out the Christians. And the Sanhedrin Council, 70 members of Israel, they met. And Gamaliel said to them, he says, listen, you remember this guy named Tudus? And he reminded them about some guys that rose up in the past and they drew away a lot of people. And the people followed them. He said, this happened to this one and this one happened to this. And it all died down. It started, but it never died down. And he said to them, leave the Christians alone. Leave them be. Because if this is of God, there's nothing you can do to fight it. But if it's not of God, you'll die out. They'll get weary. They'll get tired. And they'll, get home, and they'll go home. But if it's of God, you can do nothing to stop it. It's not going to die out. The people are going to get weary. They're going to perpetuate it. Well, guess what? The word of God is of God. Faith is of God. Science will die out. Science will fade. All of what these guys, these experts are talking, will be rubbish in a few months because, you see, God is going to confound the wise and the prudent man. He's going to make them look foolish. And all of them are going to have egg on their faces. 
They're going to look dumb and stupid, which they are, because what they do, they confronted God. They didn't believe God, and God's not going to look stupid. Uh-uh. God is not going to look stupid. God is not going to look foolish. The last word and the final word is the word of God, and that's what I am speaking. I am on the Lord's side. I'm taking the Lord's word. I'm taking faith in what he says, and I know he'll go, he's going to back me up because he never fails. He must perform his word. That's why I'm so adamant about the word of God. He must perform his word. That's what he said. He's not going to look bad. So when I declare the word of God, and when I get so adamant about it and tell you declare the word of God, he's got to do it. And when you declare Psalm 91 over your children, your household, no plague shall come near your dwelling, shall not touch you. He's got to do it. Why? Because he swore and told it to me. I'm his son. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's got to perform his word. I'm not looking to science. I'm looking to faith. Faith in what? Faith? No, I'm looking to faith in the word of the living God. Don't tell me about uh, keep the faith and positive thinking and all that kind of stuff. Keep your science and keep your stuff. I'm going to go with faith. I'm not going to get weary. I'm not going to get worn down. Why? Because the word of God never gets tired. The word of God never gets exhausted. My angels don't get tired. They don't slumber. They don't sleep. God does not take coffee breaks. When I'm up at night, I need some sleep. Two o'clock? No. A little bit after three o'clock went to bed this morning. Need some sleep. But guess what? Before I go to sleep, I put his word and my angels to work. Get busy, angels. Do the work of God. Watch over God's people. I'm dispatching you. Go. You do the work. I'm going to bed. When I go to bed, I sleep. Okay? This is the power of God's word. So I'm not depending on what people are talking about out there. And I'm not going to let my education, hey, listen, I got some walls full of diplomas and degrees too. And I don't care how much education you have, doctorate in this and doctorate in that. I got mine too. I got mine in faith. I got mine in the word. You can tell me you're a research scientist and the very latest research, that's man-made stuff. My faith and my word is bigger than your faith in what you are doing because you're going to come to me with something that's not going to hold water. So it's not a matter of words I declare, but whose words I'm declaring. We must not debate the word of God, but apply and decree the word of God in our lives. God's word alone has power to make men tremble with fear and dread change circumstances, situations, hearts, and lives, and to bring about the desired end he has promised us in his word. You hear what I'm saying? God is still able. He's always able. We can trust him. He changes not. Many of those brilliant so-called doctors you see here, they're going to be dead in a few months, or they may be dead in a few years. Some of them are going to be crippled and have all kind of stuff happen to them. 
in a nursing home, out of their mind, don't even know what time it is. But where is God? Where is Jesus going to be? Same place he always was. What's God going to be doing? Same thing he's always doing. God is from everlasting to everlasting. He has no point of beginning and he has no point of ending. He was not born one day. And by the way, God has no mother. Holy Mary, mother of God. He ain't got no mother. He doesn't need anything or anybody to live or exist. The Bible says, in the beginning, God. Before the beginning, God. What did he do? Created the heaven and the earth. But in the beginning, God. He was before the beginning. He is from everlasting to everlasting. The Bible called him the ancient of days. He has no point of beginning, no point of ending. And when he speaks, anything he speaks, anything he declares, it must become. And when we get this word, the Bible, the Bible must accomplish that which God pleases. And I taught you before uh, in one session, I said, the word of God will water your desert. It will make your desert bloom again. We, 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 we describe the desert, Arizona, wherever a desert is. When you, when you make rain fall in the desert, all kind of flowers and seeds and things grow up in the desert and bloom in the desert. My God, where did all this come from? This is hostile territory, dry sand, dirt. But the Bible says when the rain comes, it forces, it compels the earth to bring forth and bud and blossom. So whatever the seeds are in there, it must come up. It must produce. That's what the rain does. And God says, my word is likened like the rain. So my word, when you apply the word to any circumstance or situation, it must bring about a change. It must produce. It makes that circumstance, that situation change because it's the word. My word must accomplish that which I please. It will not return to me wasted, void, empty. And this is how we got to look at the word of God. So you can talk all the science you want and tell me all that kind of stuff because you're a scientist and deal with that. I'm dealing with faith. I don't deal with what you deal with. I'm above what you deal with. Because you see, you deal, you deal with things that you can see, feel, and touch. I deal with faith. I deal with the Word. I deal with God. I deal with Jesus. I deal with things that he will break and shatter and destroy. I will de deal with things that he can make, he can change and bring about. He doesn't have to see my situation and know my situation to, to change my situation. He already knows it, and he can change it for me. So we got to have faith. Don't go to, uh, let educated people, and you know some Christians, they're too educated, and their education gets in the way. Education is great. Get all the degrees and the diplomas all you can get. But don't let it get in, your, get in the way of your faith. Understand that there is a down here and there is an up there. There's a spiritual realm and there's a natural earthly realm. So education, everything is good down here in the physical realm. 
educating you in the things that you know in this physical realm, in the physical world. But my God, there's another world, the spiritual realm. How do you access that? How do you get in here and operate? Through the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12. But the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Stop right there. The Word of God is quick, fast-acting, immediate, powerful, full of power, sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul the Apostle only knew about a two-edged sword. Didn't know about guns, bullets, bombs, all that kind of stuff. And the best thing that they had back then was a double-edged sword. Not a single-edged machete, but a double-edged sword. That was the weapon, man. That was the thing. Paul described it to the most maximum. He said, the word of God, quick, powerful, full of power, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. Soul and spirit? You mean the mind and the heart? He divides it? Yes. See what the word of God can do and where the word of God can go? A two-edged sword cannot go there. A double-edged sword cannot get in your spirit, in your soul. Science can't get in your soul and do anything in your soul and in your spirit. Don't forget now, the word of God is what? Spirit and life. Spirit and life. It's a spirit, pneuma. The word of God is a spirit. So it goes in and it can divide, asunder, soul and spirit. So it's a spiritual weapon. I've always said I wanted to be a neurosurgeon when 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 I was in college, and I I I I, I wanted to be a brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon, but I didn't become a neurosurgeon. I and even I looked at myself and I said, "My God, I never became." And the Lord reminded me, "says Son, you still you're a neurosurgeon. You're a brain surgeon. You just don't use scalpels and forceps and the things that people do. You use the word." And I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, because that's what the word does. It divides asunder the soul, the mind, the emotions, what you're going through, what you're thinking, your intellect, and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. The joints and the marrow, what, what can divide it is, is a double-edged sword. But guess what? The word of God can get into your joints and in your marrow and bring you healing. And understand that in the marrow is where the life is. The life of the body is in the blood. Now, where is the blood made? White blood cells and red blood cells are made in the marrow of the long bones, your leg bones, your arm bones. There is marrow inside the bones. That's the blood factory. Well, the Word of God can get in that factory and bring life to you, good life, energy, strength. But my God, if it gets contaminated with certain things, guess what? All your energy and your strength will be gone. Because something else gets in there and contaminates it. So we are looking at the power of the word. It goes right down to the life-giving area. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? Uh, for whom shall I be afraid? Where does that strength come from? Down in the marrow. The word of God gets down in the marrow and brings you life and energy and strength. 
The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So what you're thinking, I can discern it through what? The Word. When God give me a Word, and all I got to do is speak the Word, preach the Word, teach the Word. I've had so many people come and tell me, you know, just before you started speaking or while you're speaking, I had these questions. I came to church with these questions. And when I was there and I said, God, why is this? And I came down burdened and this. And sure enough, you said a word so and it answered my question. It solved my problem. I'm lifted. I'm comforted by the message you speak. I'm just a messenger boy. I don't know anything you're going through. I don't know your thoughts. I'm not a thought reader. I'm not a mind reader. I can't discern the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. No, but the Holy Ghost can. When we search God for a message and a teaching, he'll tell us what to say, what to speak. He'll give us the anointing to speak that word, that when we speak that word, it goes in and locks in your spirit. He'll give us a word of comfort, encouragement, hope, and healing. How many times have I prayed for people and see people healed? How many times I don't know what people are going through? God, tell me this is what's going on with you. How many times? So many times. It's not anything about me. It's about the Word. And it's about my faith in the Word. So I don't deal with what people are dealing with nowadays. I deal in faith. And I deal in the Word of the living God. Why? I have proven the Word. I trust the Word. I live the Word. And I know what the Word can do. So when it comes to all the things that we see going on out there in the world today, God has an answer for it. He has a Word for it. And He shows me this is what's going on. That's why He sits me down. And He says, sit down, boy. And your blessed assurance and write. And I sit down and I write what he tells me. My God, the things that I look, and even something I'm reading here, I say, I look at this and I say, my God, did I really write this? Did I write this? I didn't write it. Holy Spirit gave me the message and told me what to write. And of course, he used certain things I know, certain knowledge I have acquired over the years. And he says, put this in here, write this this way. And I'm going, this couldn't be me. Why? Because it's too, it's too, it's too powerful. I'm just a messenger boy. He puts me to write, and I write. And I write the revelations he gives me. And I give the scriptures that he gives me. And when I put it all together, it's well done, because you see, it's his doing. It's his message. It's his construction. And when I do it his way, I can't fail. Anything I do with God and I bring his word there, he backs me up. God will back you up. God's word does not only affect the physical nature of things, but the spiritual nature of things. By his word were all things created, seen and unseen. Man was his only creation that was formed by God, fashioned by his mighty hands, and not his words. Before he formed us, however, he spoke and said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God never acts without his word. That is why the hundredfold is attainable by you. It's his guaranteed promise. So go for it. Release his word and see him work. And I'm going to stop right there. I'll pick up on the book next time, the hundredfold. True. Bible Code 7. Solutions. Solutions. To going through this life right now.
It's good to tell you one thing and teach you stuff, but you need solutions. You need an answer. How do you go through what we're going through in this world today, Bible Code 7? That's a solution. There's a strategy. Go to BibleCode7.com. When you go to BibleCode7.com, the Lord has made me write through three books. The most powerful book and the most influential book, I believe, is this first book. I can tell you I zipped through that book in about a month. Every day I sat down and write and was like an angel standing at my right side telling me in my ears, write this. This is how you say it. This is what you write. And when I refined it, they revised it and say this in this way. Say this in this manner. It was not me doing my thing. It was the Lord doing his thing through me. I tell people all the time, I'm a dead man. Paul, the apostle, said it this way. It is not I that live it, but Jesus that liveth in me. I'm dead to myself, and I'm alive to Jesus. I'm alive to faith. The word of the living God. Education is great, but faith is better. I don't believe in a God of science. You can tell me science and certain things. Yes, 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 been there. Done that. No certain things are okay, but I have faith. I've exercised my faith. My faith. I believe in the word of God. So above all of what you're going to show me and tell me, faith in God's word overrides everything else. I taught you before that you have facts. Facts as appertain to the things that are down here on earth. Science can give you certain facts. But above facts and the things down here, there is truth. Truth is the word of God. Thy word is truth. And truth can shatter, destroy facts. Truth can change facts. And that's what God's word does. Sickness can be changed to healing through the word. Poverty can be shattered and turned into abundance through faith in the word. God is a situation-changing God. He changes circumstances and he changes situations. Now I want to urge you tonight, have faith in Jesus by having faith in the word. Release the word. Speak the word. Let the angels move and operate on your behalf. If you don't speak the word, your angels stand idly by with hands folded, not able to do a thing because they only operate, they're only dispatched by you speaking the word of his God's lips. So may the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And by all means, speak the word of God, and you will not be weary in doing well. God bless you. Have a fabulous, fabulous night.